We're continuing our series, You're Too Old for This. You're Too Old for This. It's a series on spiritual maturity. Paul wrote it best, and he said a lot in the New Testament to the believers of the New Testament. He said, by now you should be teaching others the elementary things about Jesus, about the gospel, because, but instead, I've got to come in and repeat the elementary things to you over and over again, and you're not growing. He goes, by now, you should be maturing to a new level. I should be able to take you to a deeper understanding. I should challenge you with deeper thoughts, but because of your immaturity, I'm having to repeat the very basic elementary things of following Jesus. Now, I believe in our heart today that many of us are there. We had a one-time great experience that we relate to. Man, I remember when this happened in my relationship with God. But we, if we're not careful, we look back and say, you know what, I've grown stagnant. I'm not moving to different levels. I'm not growing the way I should. I should be at a higher level. Can people see more of Jesus in me now than they did last summer? And if you can't answer that, let's make it easy for you. Can they see more of Jesus in you now than they could three summers ago? And if you don't know that answer, then the answer is probably no, right? And so we got to make sure that we are not growing stagnant, but we allow ourselves to be formed into the image that we don't get off the potter's wheel and stay there, but we constantly say, Potter, I'm getting on the potter's wheel and allowing you to make me into what you want me to be. We love to put ourselves first. Isn't that true? When I was a kid, I loved to be first. We raced to be first in line. I want to be first out to recess. I want to be first one picked on the team. I want to be the first one to win dodgeball. I want to be first. I want to be first one in line to get a drink. I want to be the first one in line for lunch. Someone said amen for that one, Pastor. All right. I want to be the first. We don't stop wanting to be first. And as adults, it doesn't really change, does it? As adults, we, we want to be first. Come on now. As you try to pass me, all of a sudden, I don't know what hits me, but I just gun it. Why? Because I don't want to lose pole position to you. I got to be first one to the light. I got to be the first one off the light. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. I, I got to be the first one to get the best spot. I want to get the best spot. Andy, when I go to Walmart, I want to get the best spot possible. And if I see one opening up, it's on, baby. I'm racing you to beat you to that spot. When I'm in line, and there's a long line, I'm looking to see, is there a shorter line opening up? And when they open up a line, and I see it happening from across the store, and I'm ready to check out, it's on. I'm going to be the first one to get to that line. I'm going I'm to beat you if I can, because I like to be first. When we play board games and card games at our house, we, we like to win. We play for first. There ain't no playing for fun. We play for first. We do. Pastor, I play for fun. We ain't part of my family. We play for blood, baby. We're out for win. It's so true, isn't it? We, we like to be first. Why? Because we believe that our life will be better if we are in first place. Isn't that true? 
We so believe that lie about ourselves. If life will be so much better if I could just be in first. One thing about being a Cowboys fan has taught me over the years. I've learned how not to be first for a while. And when I was younger, they spoiled me, man. I was, we were in first all the time. As a young adult, we were in first all the time. But it's been a while. And I'm learning how to not to live in first. Some of you Chiefs fans are getting spoiled right now. But remember back how it used to be. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and said, if you want to be first, you got to be last. He said, if you want to be first, you got to put the kingdom of God first. That's where being first lies. That's the secret sauce to maturity. That's the secret sauce to fulfillment in your life is putting God first. Matthew 6, this is the way Jesus said it. But seek what? First, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We have to understand that our greatest regrets in life happen when we put ourselves first. Our greatest regrets is when we seek after the wrong things in our life. They left me feeling empty. They left me with heartache. They left me with pain. They left me feeling regrets in my life. All those things happen when I seek my own pleasure first. They will bring temporary fulfillment, but they will not bring lasting fulfillment. And oftentimes, almost every time, leave me feeling empty. Why? Because we're seeking the wrong thing. We seek after the wrong thing. We got to understand something that all roads lead to putting God first if you want to be happy. Look at verse 32, the verse before this. This is what Jesus said. These things, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father, he already knows all of our needs. He knows all of your needs already. So he says the unbelievers, they worry about how am I going to pay for this? Unbelievers, they're worried about how can I get the next house? The unbelievers, they're worried about how can I get a new car? Unbelievers are worried about how can I get a raise? Unbelievers are dominated with how can I make more money? Unbelievers are worried about those things. He goes, not only are they worried about them, they are dominated by those things. He goes, but by now, you should be not worried about those things. Because why? Because your heavenly Father, he already knows the things you need. And if you will put him First, he'll allow all the other things to come into alignment in the name of God. God will see things come into your path when you seek God first. When you put God first, when you place God first, the other things in your life will begin to line out. Quit stressing over all those things and begin to focus in on God. How can I put you more first in my life? How can I begin to put you at the top of my life? God, how can I give you the first of my fruits? How can I give you the first of my thoughts? How can I give you the first of my income? How can I give you the first of my time? God, how can I make sure that every day I'm seeking you first? Seek first the kingdom, then everything else falls into alignment. See, spiritually immature people are dominated with the thoughts just like unbelievers. They're worried about the things 
spiritually mature people, they begin to change their thought process from going worried about the things and say, I'm worried about putting God first. That's the most important priority in my life. The more I seek God first, the rest of those things will follow. He already needs what my, he already knows what my business needs. He already knows what my life needs. He already knows what my family needs. I just got to begin to put him first and teach my family to put him first. And then everything else will begin to fall into line. So today, as we're talking about growing in maturity, talking about you're too old for this, I want to give you three things that I wish I could go back and tell myself 25 years ago. If you're a young adult today, take some good notes. We're going to save you some time and some pain, okay? I'm going to save you some frustration. No matter what age you are, if you begin to do these things, I believe they will accelerate your growth today into the spiritual kingdom. Number one, mature people know this. Mature people know that everything is more spiritual than I realize. I wish I'd have understood that when I was younger. I had spiritual connected to just church. My spiritual life was connected around my church life, and then my home life was different. My work life was different. My friends were different. My hobbies were different. All my invest, all those things were different. But really, when we study the word, they're all connected. The spiritual is connected to the natural. My natural things that I need, the natural things that I want, the natural things in my life, they all are connected to the spiritual. I cannot, as a believer, disconnect the spiritual from the natural, and I can't disconnect the natural from the spiritual. They go hand in hand. I wish I'd have known that earlier. I wish I'd have realized how much everything affects the spirituality. Jesus was teaching us that the natural is connected to the spiritual. Jesus knows I need money. Jesus knows I need a house. Jesus knows I need food. Jesus knows I have a family. Jesus knows I want a family. Jesus knows I want a spouse. Jesus knows I want to be married. Jesus knows these things. Jesus knows I need a car. Jesus knows why I need a place to stay. Jesus knows these things, and he is not shocked by them. He's wanting us to put him first and allow the blessing of the Lord to follow our life. Look at Ephesians 6.12 paints a very clear picture about what I'm just saying. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the natural things, but against what? The rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we have got to understand that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So if I'm having a a problem with somebody, my struggle is not to go on social media and argue with this person all day long. I don't go and get toe-to-toe in their face and say, all right, you're wrong, I'm right, let me prove it. My struggle is not in the natural. My struggle is in the spiritual. And so when there's a war going on, when there's a battle going on, the way I fight that battle is different than the world fights their battles. The world goes to social media and fights it out on public, trying to decide who's the best person. The world goes and confronts that person, gets face-to-face with them, and tries to tell them, you know, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. The world handles things differently. 
but I understand that it's a spiritual attack, not a natural attack. And what's going on may be manifesting through somebody else, but if I begin to come in and say, God, I begin to worship you no matter what's going on in my life. God, even when I worship you on my good days and my bad days, you are there. And when I look out and I see the enemy surrounding me close by, and they're trying to take me in close by, I can see the angels of the Lord in the spirit realm around me, surrounding my camp, and God is for me, and all I gotta do is say, God, you're worthy of it all. God, I throw up my hands, and I, I give you a praise. We gotta understand that the spiritual is connected to the natural. You have a problem in the natural, battle it in the spiritual. That's why we can't afford to sleep, walk our way through worship. Because the spiritual is connected to the natural. For some of us here, we're like, yeah, I wish they'd hurry up. I wish we'd get to the best part of the service. That's Pastor Gene. And, uh, okay, maybe two of you. All right. But um, <laughs> for whatever reason, sometimes our mind is not there. Sometimes we're checking in. Well, I'm not really much of a worshiper. Well, you ain't going to like heaven. I'm just telling you. Why? Because the spiritual is connected to the natural. And the more I can throw up my hands and say, God, you're in control. The more I let a praise come out of my mouth. I'm letting the natural know that God is first in my life. If God is for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper, says the Lord. And so I can follow that. I can sing that. I can praise that. Why? Because when I praise, I'm breaking loose things that are happening in the spiritual realm. So you've got to praise your way through your battles. You've got to understand they're all connected. It all goes hand in hand. BV, come and give me a hand this morning. Where you at, BV? There you go. I need a running back this morning. Can you come and give me a hand? There he goes. I know BV played a little running back in college and some in the uh, little semi-pro ball in some other leagues. Come on over here on the side. Did you get in my closet and get my shirt this morning? What's up with that, man? He plays a running back in, in, in college. And so, BV, let me ask you this. One of the most important plays for a running back is the counter. And the counter is this. The counter play happens when they call a counter play. What happens? The quarterback turns, and you take a step where? You take a hard step left, opposite direction. And why is that? Because we want to get the defense all moving one direction. And after you take a hard step, you then immediately cut back, right? You cut back, take the hand off back and go the opposite way. Now, before you go through the hole, though, what's important? Do you just go as fast as you can through that hole, even though they're going the opposite direction? You set them up. You set them up. What? You wait on who? The defender. You wait on the defender and you wait on the guard, correct? You wait on the guard to pull and hit the linebacker. So if the running back hits the hole before the guard can pull and hit the linebacker, who's waiting there unmanned to tackle you? Right, the defender's there. So if the running back, who's a rookie and doesn't understand this, they get so excited and want to hit the hole as fast as they can, oftentimes they make the mistake of cutting back and jumping out ahead of the guard, and they hit the hole before the guard gets there and pulls there, and then the linebacker or defender's waiting there to clobber him because there's nobody blocking him. But if the running back is more seasoned and mature, he realizes, all right, I need to slow down just a little bit and be patient and let my blocker 
get ahead of me. And I let the guy call, I let the guard pull around, and when the blocker gets ahead of me, he hits the defender, therefore springing open the hole, and it often leads to a big gain, a big run. Even the people who are playing against really, really fast teams and really fast defenses, this is a way to counter that, but you get them off guard with the counter move, then come back and hit the hole with the pulling guard. It works. All the, it's been working for decades. It still works. Everybody knows it's going to happen, but they all fall for it. But it's got to be ran exactly how the coaches draw it up. If you get ahead of yourself and try to hit the hole too soon, it blows up in your face, right? All right, thank you. Now, this is the problem here. For us in our life, we got to understand something. Now, oftentimes, we don't want to wait on God. We, gotta, we, we try to get things as fast as possible. If we'll just be patient and wait on the Lord, and let the Lord lead us, and we get behind him, then it's going to spring us where we need to be. And oftentimes, the reason why things are not happening in our life is because we're not waiting on God. Look at this next statement. Mature people know that when we run the plays the way God designed them to run, our life will be and go so much smoother. I don't understand why my life is out of, out of order. Could it be you're trying to run the play the way you want to do it instead of running it the way God designed it to run? The running backs, they want to hit that hole fast. They want to get out there and use their speed. But they have to be patient and let the guard get out there and hit that defender so it can open up that hole so he can then use his speed at the right timing. And for many of us, we want to get out there and do our own thing. Man, I've got a better way. I can get the things I need. I can, I can make these things happen in my life. And we go out there and we burn out because we're not running plays the way God designed us to run the place. So I'm going to give you a handful of plays. Are you ready? Come on now. I'm going to give you a handful of plays that I guarantee you, if you'll run for one year over this next year, if you'll take these plays and you'll run them every day in your life, I promise you, your life is going to be so much better in one year. Do you want to know what those plays are? Come on now. I want you to use these plays. I'm challenging you to run the plays. Run the plays the way they're designed. The plays are, number one, first play, faithfully pray and read God's word every day. Pastor, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. There's a reason why. We preach this. There's a reason why we teach you this. It's because it actually works. How many feel better after you leave on Sunday morning? Do you feel better when you've been worshiping? Do you feel better when you've been studying God's word? Yes, it does. Many of you say, man, why not take a slice of that, a little slice of that, and take a micro part of that every day in your life? Just take five minutes and read God's word. Take five minutes and pray to God. And then take five minutes and worship. 15 minutes a day. Can you spend 15 minutes a day giving God my word time, giving God some prayer time, and giving God some worship? It will change your day. It's not going to change it the first day, but you start doing it every day and run that play every day. And sooner or later, it starts adding up. It starts affecting your day. It starts affecting your mind. It starts affecting your family. It affects your job. It affects everything you do. Run the play. Run the play. God designed for us to give him our first thoughts. The second play I want you to run this year faithfully is I want you to attend worship service in person 
faithfully all year long. Come on now, I'm giving you another play. Attend in person. Listen, if you're watching online today, I hope you're watching because you took a vacation. I hope you're watching because you had to work or I hope you're watching because you were sick. Because if you're otherwise, if you're just watching because you sleep in, you're watching for the wrong reason. Because we're never designed to sleep in. We're designed to come to the house of the Lord in person. That's what it's there for. Forsake not assembling yourselves together, but encouraging each other. We come together and we worship. I'm telling you, when you commit to attending church on a regular basis for a whole year, it will change your life. For some of you, you've done pretty good for a while. But I just want to encourage you, don't let that stop. Don't let it just be a season. Well, I was going through a hard time, so we got back into church. And then when things get better, we get back out of church. And then when things get hard, we get back into church. Do you see the pattern? The good, listen, smart, mature people realize I've got to stay committed to the house in person all year long. It makes a difference in my life. It makes a difference in your family's life. It makes a difference in your children's life. I can't tell you how many people I've seen over the years who were very committed, who got out for some reason, they allowed something to get them out of church, out of commitment, and then their family begins to struggle and fall apart, and they don't wonder what happened. It's very easy to see. When you get out of church, you become easy pickings for the enemy. He begins to pick you off because you isolate yourself from fellowship. God wants you involved in person, in person. Commit to a year. For some of you, you didn't make that decision. What is it over the next year? How, how, what's the percentage of, of services you want to attend? If you missed 10%, that would be 5.2 services. Let's round up and I'll give you that, that two, make it a six. Okay? You could miss six services and, and still be at 90% of the church. That would be really good, wouldn't it? That would be really awesome for some of you to say, you know what, I'm going to make it a commitment. For some of you, you've only come about 30% of the time. So for you to make it 60 or 70% as you go, that would be a big improvement. Do it and see if God doesn't start changing your life. Run the play. Honor the house of the Lord and see if God doesn't begin to do something. I don't know why I'm struggling. Could it be you're struggling with running the plays right? We've used social media now. And we use our, our, I love it that we have uh, our services broadcast online. We got people watching sometimes from around the world. I love it. That's what it's there for, for people to use. Check out the church before they come and, and visit. But it's never meant to replace church. And I know some, some churches are more worried about givers and they'll call it an online church just to get your offering. But I don't care if you give your offering. Get to the house of the Lord. Keep your offering. Get to the house. Get to the house of the Lord. Get to the house of the Lord. There, you're protected. There, God can grow you so much better. Alone, you're isolated and you're easily picked off. Mature people understand commitment, faithful commitment. Protect it. Protect your family. Protect your time with the Lord. The third play I want you to run this year is give away your life. Look at Give away your life by serving others. Give away your life by serving others. Serve faithfully. Serve faithfully. Get involved in serving others. Why, Pastor? Because you'll never grow. You'll never mature to your fullest potential unless you're serving 
God made us to serve. God made us to grow through serving. That's what he wants all of us to do. This is the way we grow. This is the way we mature. You'll only grow at a slow rate, and you'll only grow to the half of the maturity of those who are serving. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great, what? Variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Our gifts are given to us to serve one another. Get the play right. Your gifts are not just to bring you glory, are not just for your advantage. Your gifts are to serve one another. Get the play right. When I use my gifts just to serve me, I'm not going to reach my fullest potential because God gave me the gifts to serve you. God gave me the gifts to serve each other. And as I do that, then God begins to bless me even more. God begins to use me even more. God says, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Use your gifts for the kingdom. Well, Pastor, I'm with kids all day long. The last thing I want to do is come to the church and deal with kids. I get it. As a father of five, I really get that statement. But... How sad would it be if God's given you the gift to work with children and you use it all week long for yourself and for the public, but you never use it for the kingdom? What a sad, what a sad thing that God gifted you with that. What a sad thing. Well, pastor, I, I, I do this all the way long. I don't want to have to come to the church. And do, what a sad, what a sad statement. Use the gifts God's given you for the kingdom. That's where growth happens. Seek God first, put God first, and God will use you. I'm telling you, you get involved and serve for a year, and you'll start seeing your life changing, maturing, and you'll see God blessing you even greater. The people I see grow the most are those who are serving the most. It just happens. And play number four. This year, I want you to get involved in a small group. Find a small group you can plug into. If you're a teenager, we have DCY. Great place for you to plug into as teens. Our young adults have young adult ministry. They're meeting all the time. Doing, that group's growing really fast. So proud of them. Doing a great job. We have a Bible study that's going on on Tuesday nights here at the church. It's growing. Be a part of Bible studies on Tuesdays. We have Man University once a quarter. We have D.C. Women's. We have D.C. Men's that happen. We have small groups that are being starting back up, going on. Here's talking about new ones coming up this next semester. You'll have a chance to be involved in those. Find a place to be involved. Find a small group to get connected to. Why? Because growth happens in circles and not in rows. Growth happens in circles, not in rows. We're going to grow. We're going to multiply in circles. We, we grew. We grow together. So for one year, I want you to run the play. Turn to your neighbor and say, run the play. Run the play. Faithfully pray, read, and worship every day. I want you to be faithful and say, we're going to make it a commitment. We're going to be here as much as possible, Pastor. We're going to be here. We're going to give. We're going to give our life away by serving others. We're going to get involved. We're going to serve. We're going to get involved in the ministry and serve. And then we're going to go closer to God by attending a small group. We're going to attend a small group this year and get involved in some form of small group. 
We're going to start getting involved, building relationships outside of just the few of us. But I want to learn to do church together. That's what we do. And the last thing I want to give you this morning, mature people go all in for God. I wish I'd have known that. Maturity looks like what? Maturity looks like going all in for God. Do you know God went all in for us? He went all in for us. He, he gave it all for us. He died for us, took the weight of our sin upon his back, the Bible says, took it to the cross and nailed our sins to the cross. He who knew no sin gave his life for you and I. He went all in for us. And if you don't know this, God wants more than just Sunday morning from your life. For some of us here, you've been faithful on Sunday morning. But the problem is not Sunday morning. Are you faithful on Tuesday morning? Are you faithful on Thursday evening? Are you faithful on Friday night? Oh, yeah, hallelujah, right there. <laughs> Pastor, don't touch my Friday night now. That's between me and God. Just say it. See, everything's connected. The spiritual and the natural. Going all in for God. If you don't know this, God doesn't want just Sunday morning. He doesn't want just one day of your life. He wants all of our life. I can tell you this, when someone gives me a pie, I don't want just one piece. I want the whole pie. I, I want, I may not eat it all today, but I want the whole thing. I want to experience the whole thing. God doesn't want just a slice of my life. He wants my whole life. That means he wants my work life. He wants my school life. He wants my dating life. He wants my job. He wants my family, my marriage. He wants all of my life. And I realize that why? Because the spiritual and the natural are connected together. And I gotta learn to go all in. The more I go all in, the more God can go all in on blessing me, the more he can go all in on fulfilling my destiny that he has for my life. I want you to go all in this year. I want you to make it a year of maturity. I want you to say, God, I'm ready to grow this year. God, I'm ready to take a step of maturity. By now, I need to be teaching others. By now, I need to be moving others along and encouraging more people than I am. It's time for me to grow. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your word which challenges us really pushes us, God, to different levels. If you're here today, say, Pastor, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never done that before. The Bible says we must believe, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that he was resurrected on the third day? Do you believe he is God's only son, the Messiah? And you're ready to put your trust in him. You're ready to say, God, I'm ready to put my life in your hands. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. If that's you today, you never prayed that prayer. We're not going to do anything to single you out. But I want to make sure you have a chance. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, you've never done that before. Raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I'm ready. Thank you. Anybody else want to join them? Thank you. Anybody else who's ready to do that? Thank you, guys. All right, if you raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer after me out loud. The Christians around you, we'll help you along as well. Say, dear Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will follow you. I will give my life for you. 
in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer to the first time and you meant it, we say, welcome to the family of God. Put your hands together. Welcome to them. Yeah.